Baptist Church today. Uh, as many of you will realize, it's a baptismal service today. I, I guess the open tank here and the water is a clue, uh, even if you didn't know it was going to be a baptismal service today. But we're very excited that two of our young men, Will Ashby and John Gibbons, are going to be baptized during this service. And... Uh, a little later on, we'll explain what baptism's all about before we uh, baptize them. But whoever you are today, whether you're friends and family of uh, John or Will, uh, whether you've just happened in here today, uh, whether you come every week, you're very, very welcome as we share together this morning in this special time. We're going to spend time worshipping God uh, in songs led by our band here. Uh, a little bit later, towards the end of the service, Graham, our pastor, is going to be speaking to us, uh, which will actually be the start of a new series talking about uh, the whole armour of God. More of that when Graham gets up a little later on. We just want you to be uh, relaxed, open to what takes place, and, and just ready to participate where it seems uh, appropriate. We don't want anybody to feel out of place or uncomfortable, but just open to what uh, will happen here in what we believe is a safe space. We produce a, a news uh, sheet which carries the information which was on the screen beforehand, and if you're interested to find out what's happening around here, you'll find these in the foyer on the way out. The one particular thing I wanted to draw your attention to is that uh, from Thursday past, which was Ascension Day, until next Sunday, the 9th of June, uh, churches and Christians actually now all around the world are participating in a prayer uh, initiative called Thy Kingdom Come and it's happening here in Bridge North and a number of the churches are opening their doors at various times for people to go in and pray usually in a guided way. Our particular day when we're open is Thursday uh, from 10 o'clock till 4 o'clock but don't just go to pray in hours because it's ours go and take an opportunity to meet some of the Christians in the other churches in the town. And if you want some resources to use at home, there's a, a particular leaflet here called Bless, which enables us to pray prayers of blessing on Bridge North, our community. And if you want to pray individually for 11 days of prayer, there's a little leaflet called Prayer Journal. They're on a table just through the glass doors there. And I'd uh, encourage you to pick those up if they're going to be helpful to you. So we're talking about prayer. It makes sense to pray as we just thank God for this morning, the opportunity to be here and just ask him to speak to us and to bless us, particularly to bless Will and John as they prepare for their baptism. So let's pray, shall we? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this uh, day that you've given to us, and we thank you for the freedom that we have to come into a building like this to take part in a baptismal service, a church service here today. And whoever we are, whether we've been here several hundred times, whether this is our first visit, perhaps our first visit to uh, a church for a long time, whether we come from other churches and are here in support of John and Will, whoever we are today, 
whatever our circumstances, whatever's going on in our lives, we pray that somehow we will leave this place having known that we've met with you, the Almighty God, your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and that our lives have been touched by your Spirit who indwells Christians and enables us to live for Jesus. So we commit this whole uh, thing today to you and ask you to bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the things we do in our service each week is to take up an offering, which is an opportunity for people who worship here rev- regularly to give some money, which helps us in our work in this town and beyond. And as we start to sing, there will be the opportunity to give in that offering. If you're not come prepared, if you're a visitor and you feel it's not appropriate for you to give, don't be embarrassed. Just pass the, uh, the bags along the row or the baskets along the row, and that's absolutely fine. But over to Sheila and the musicians as we take time now to worship God together. Good morning, everybody. Um, As I was thinking about today, two words came to mind. Be prepared. So John and Will, be prepared. Let's all be prepared to receive God's love, his greatness, his graciousness. And as we sing this first song, um, let's think on... God's almighty power and goodness. Let's stand. We wait upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord. Our God, you reign
Thank you. Feel free to take your seats again. Uh, that was a really good start to the service and a good morning for me as well. My name's Mark. I'm one of the leaders here at the church and it's a bit weird for anybody visiting. You might not realise that it's not necessarily the person who's standing at the front who is the leader of the church. In fact, we have a fantastically strong group of leaders um, and we have done in the past as well. So I'm not just saying that because I'm newly onto the leadership team and watch out because now's the time. I'm saying it because we have a strong tradition of strong leadership in this church. Which brings me on to um, saying thank you 
on behalf of all of us as a church family to three people who have recently um, finished a time of leadership in the church. Now, I want to say first and foremost that just because you have an official title, title of being a leader in the church, that doesn't mean that you are the only leaders in the church. There are loads of leaders in our church family. We're very, very lucky. Uh, but these three people, John Smith, James Munden, and my dad, Donovan Gibbons, um, have recently come to the end of a, a kind of a time period where they have been officially leaders in the church and have been um, a real blessing to us. Um, and I think so much of what they've done has been behind the scenes, and you've seen some of it, and we want to acknowledge all of it. We want to say thank you to them for their faithful service, and uh, we want to um, express both in uh, some words which have been written in some cards, but also as some small gifts which they might be able to uh, uh, receive and acknowledge as being a, a small token of recognition for the work that they've done on our behalf. So uh, James and John and Donovan, if you'd like to come out and receive uh, a small token on our behalf and give them a round of applause. Thank you very much, John. Thank you, James, really appreciate it. Thank you. Just stay there a minute. Um, that's good. Nothing for me to add to that. That's enough. We appreciate you. You're fantastic. Thanks very much, uh, Mark. I think I'll step down from things more often. That's really, uh, <laughs> that was really good, except there's nothing to step down from. <laughs> so I, I mentioned at the beginning that some of you have maybe never been at a service like this before, uh, and you've come because you're friends or family of Will and John and uh, I think we owe it to you and we owe it to ourselves to remind ourselves just what is taking place when we baptize people in our tradition, in our uh, kind of church. So I've just asked a series of questions here and tried to give an answer, and, and they're pretty logical sort of questions. It's a what, it's a why, it's a who, it's a how, and it's a when. So they're, they're pretty straightforward questions, aren't they? So the, the first thing to say is, what happens when somebody is baptized? Are we saying that when we baptize somebody, we're making them a Christian? Are, are we saying that when we baptize someone, we're making them a Baptist because our, our church is a Baptist church? Uh, a friend of mine in Scotland once said, and I've repeated it often, baptism doesn't make you a Christian. Baptism doesn't make you a Baptist. Baptism simply makes you wet because a, a, a little later, John and Will individually will go right under the water here and... Uh, we, we will follow in an ancient tradition of believer's baptism by immersion. It's, it's a little bit like a drama or an acted parable, 
But if we just regard it as a drama and say we're, we're just demonstrating something, we're just play acting here, then, then we miss a great opportunity because uh, uh, as somebody, somebody prayed uh, a, a little bit earlier, I think when we, some of us were praying before the service, when Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan by his cousin John, God's Spirit came and landed on him in the form of a dove. And, and we really pray for our candidates, John and Will, this morning, that when they're baptized and when those in the water with them, which will be... Uh, Mark and James, our youth leader for John, and Graham and James for Will, when they're in the water with them, once they've baptized them, they will pray for them to be filled with the Holy Spirit and ready to be equipped to live for Jesus and to serve Jesus day by day. So that's what happens when I'm baptized. Here's the other question, why be baptized? Why be baptized? Because we follow in a time-honored and ancient tradition. In the New Testament, baptism was the ceremony of initiation into the Christian life and the body of believers, which we call the Church of Jesus Christ. When we're baptized, we follow Jesus' example. Jesus was, we believe, perfect. Holy man and holy God completely sinless, and often baptism is uh, associated with washing, washing away of sins. And John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, was in the River Jordan. He was baptizing people, and Jesus came and said, John, baptize me. And John said, I can't baptize you. You don't need to be baptized. And Jesus said, I need to be baptized by you because it's the right thing to do. So if anybody ever says, I'm too good to get baptized, I don't need to be baptized, I just want to point you to Jesus. Because if anybody didn't need to be baptized, it was him. And yet he got baptized. And as Christians, the crew is in the name, we follow Jesus and therefore we follow his example. And it's actually an act of obedience. There are certain things that Jesus asked Christians to do and said, do this. Do this to remember me. Do this to show that you love me. And one of the things that he said was, be baptized or baptize those who have become Christians. Just before he went back to heaven, at the end of his time here on earth, and many Christians would be celebrating that on Thursday past Ascension Day, the day Jesus ascended into heaven, Jesus said to his friends, as you go, make disciples, make followers of mine, teach them and baptize them. So to baptize people, those who are baptizing today are being obedient in baptizing Christians who started to believe in Jesus, but those who are being baptized are also being obedient to what Jesus wants. Baptism is a witness to other people. It's a brave thing to put your head above the parapet these days and declare in your school, in your college, in your workplace that you are a Christian. In parts of the world today, people who are baptized would be shunned by their family and even on the death list of the government. In our country, it's a lot easier to do this without fear of retribution, but it's still a brave thing to do to say, I'm following Jesus. 
No turning back. And I'm so serious about following Jesus that I am going to be baptized. I am going to go through the indignity of being totally soaked in water to show that I'm following Jesus. And it is a piece of drama, an acted parable that says, uh, just as Jesus died, just as Jesus was buried, just as Jesus rose again, when I became a Christian, I died to an old life. My old life was buried, and I've risen to a new life in Jesus. And the last thing I want to say about why be baptized, it's a landmark on the Christian journey. It's, it's one of the things that's uh, written into the script. It's there for us when we become a Christian to be baptized. So that's the what and that's the why. The why was a little bit longer, but the who. Who do we baptize? The baptism that we practice is believer's baptism. Sometimes people say it's adult baptism as opposed to child baptism because uh, most people would be familiar with a child baptism. In the early church, I don't believe they were familiar with child baptism. It was only when a Roman emperor said, everybody in my empire now must be a Christian, and when a baby's born, they must be baptized to be made a Christian, that babies started to be baptized. But in the 16th century, some people looked in the Bible and said, we got it wrong, guys. It's believers who should be baptized. And we believe that from looking in the New Testament and finding that soon after conversion, Believers, disciples were baptized. And there's a number of references in the New Testament to that. Who should be baptized? Those who've made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. Those who are following him. Those who are Christians. Here's the next question. How? Now, we baptize by immersion. John and Will will be completely immersed in the water of the baptismal pool or tank here. Why do we do that. Why do we do that? Well, actually, the word baptize is a Greek word. It comes straight from the Greek language. And it's the word that's used for dyeing of cloth. It's the word that's used if you wanted to get rid of a ship when it had passed its useful life. And technically, the expression is you wanted to scuttle it, then you sank it and it was immersed totally in the water of the sea. And the word used would be baptizo. And the Greek word is baptizo, which comes to baptize in English. The word is not sprinkleo. See where I'm going? A lot of water is used here. A lot of water is used here to keep truth, to keep uh, faith with the language, but also to keep faith with the illustration. Because in the New Testament writers say in several places, you were buried with him in baptism. And being immersed in a pool of water actually demonstrates what has taken place in the lives of John and Will. As we've said already, they've trusted Christ as their Savior and Lord. They've said bye-bye to an old way of living. It's as if they've died, been buried. And when they became a Christian, when they trusted Christ, and we'll hear their own stories in a few moments, they rose to newness of life. One more question. When should I get baptized? And there's a straightforward answer to that at the beginning of your Christian life when you trust Jesus personally for yourself. It's not something to wait for. It's not something to wait until you're ready. Some of the old guys in history had this strange idea that actually they should be baptized just before they died as if they could predict the day that they died because they believed that, uh, you know, 
their sins wouldn't be forgiven when they sinned after baptism. That's a load of hooey. That's not what the Bible says, but that's what these old guys did. I once baptized a guy who was 90, but he's only just become a Christian. So when you become a Christian, the idea is that you should be baptized. In the book of Acts in the New Testament, there's an African leader. He's the chancellor of the exchequer of Queen Candace of the Ethiopians. He hears the good news about Jesus. He believes, he obviously gets the message because then he asks the question, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? I hope that gives some kind of explanation and understanding of what we're doing today. And I just want to say now, Will Ashby, John Gibbons, wherever you are, come and join me at the front as quickly as you can because we want to hear your stories. We want to hear what's happened in your life that's leading you to be baptized on this Sunday morning in 2019. Come this way, boys, not the front door. No, this way. Keep coming. Keep coming. That's okay. No checking in out now. Okay. And Will's in front here, and Ashby comes before Gibbons in the alphabet, and uh, Will is going to be baptized first today. So I'm just going to stand behind you, Will, and uh, give you a little encouragement if you need it, but I don't think you do. I've heard you speaking before. It must be a bit lower. A bit lower. Okay. There you go. Thank you. Okay. Very confident to tell me that. That's good. Step a bit closer then. Thank do you. Um, a lot of you probably know who I am since I've attended this church for a while now, but if you don't know, my name is Will and I've recently made the decision to be baptised. This decision wasn't an easy one, lots of contemplating and thinking went into it, and it all started a couple of years back on a Christian holiday called Landmaddock. At this point, despite being brought up in a Christian family, I still wasn't believing and I was still a little sceptical about some of the things that were being said. So I only went along because my mate John from down the road was going. <laughs> the holiday was not as I was expected. It was centred around fun and having a good time with a little taste of church and Christianity in the evening. In the service and the optional Bible study that, that John convinced me to go along to. But I'm glad that, I'm glad that he did as this was actually fun too when I got to hear amazing stories of other people's experiences with, with other Christians and their, and their journeys. This was, this was the start of a long and eye-opening journey for me and my faith. The next and pro probably the best step in my belief was the 2018 New Year's house party. It again was not as I was, as I was expecting. Me and John were just used to the small group of guys from Bridge North and the surrounding areas that we knew from various groups. But at New Year's house party, there was a much larger number of people all together in a massive house. People from London and even Scotland even travelled to this holiday. This being my first time, this being my first time, I, I couldn't help thinking that it must be good since people have travelled from so far. I met lots of people that I'm still friends with from this day and still talk to regularly. In the evening of the um, of the holidays, every night there used to be a Bible study and I didn't start going off to them because I thought that they would just be a bit boring and um, a bit useless. But then <laughs> by the end of the holiday, I, I decided that I actually wanted to go. So for the last three days of the holiday, I went along and I found them really interesting and actually more, more interesting than some of the stuff I've been to before. So. They were optional, so I didn't think that I should go to them at the start because I just, I'd rather just stay in my room. But 
I realized by the end that they're actually a really good thing to go to. One of the best parts of the holiday was um, hearing how, pe how other people came to Christianity and was um, very interesting how I could relate to some of the stories people were telling. At this point, for some reason, I started crying and I couldn't stop. So I just buried my head in my arms and hoped no one saw me, but they did. <laughs> so a couple of people came over and asked if they could pray for me. I, still trying to hide myself, said very, very quietly, yes. I had never come, I, I've ne I had never had someone pray for me properly like this. Obviously, I'd had small prayers in groups, but nothing to this scale. But for me, at this point, something clicked inside, and I knew immediately I wanted to believe and follow God. The next morning, through to afternoon, was just normal, having, laugh on, having a laugh on the beach and playing games. But as the evening came, so, and so did the small service. Um, in the service, there was worship, and then at the end, they asked who wanted to be a Christian. In a very quick way, I, I just sat there, and I was like, I'm not going to go up first. So a couple of people went up before me saying that they did want to be Christian. So then I thought, yeah, this is my time. So I got up and went to the front and said, yes, I do want to be Christian. I, was, I burst into tears and I couldn't stop crying. And I just knew that this was the right thing to do. And from then on, I knew that I wanted to be Christian. Um, in the worships in the evening from that day on was very emotional. Lots of people noticed that, um, uh, that they wanted to be Christian as well and they were crying and, and people were getting prayed for and it was a very, it was a very um, interesting, uh, it was a very interesting moment. Um, one of the people that I respected called Jackson was um, crying, lying down, lying down on the floor, he obviously stressed and crying about something. So I went up and offered to pray for him and this is the first time I'd ever offered to pray for someone. So it was quite a big moment for me. And so I offered to pray for him and he said, yes, yes, I, I really need to be prayed for right now. So that's what he wanted to pray for and then I prayed for him and then he immediately stopped crying and he, he stood up and he said, thank you. And I was like, I've, I've really done something good here. And, and God has spoken through, through me to Jackson. So, and then after I came back off this holiday, John and Harris had the idea to set up a group on a Monday with the name The Monday Thing. <laughs> and this has been going on for a while now. And the, it's quite interesting how p people's curiosity and our faith is quite high. So we have about nine regulars in the group now. A couple of weeks back, um, I think it was James that offered if there's a baptism service coming up and... I, I very quickly said yes. I, I really want to be baptised in the um, right, like as soon as possible, and that's that's where I am now. Thank you. Yeah, that's good. It's really hard to believe something if you yourself haven't really experienced anything remotely like what someone is explaining. Especially if that person, what that person is telling you would mean you had to live your life completely different. However, when you know God and what serving him is like, then it's amazing. But for that you need opportunities. I was given these opportunities as I was brought up in a Christian family. But some people aren't and therefore haven't had access to the Christian holidays and the people that have helped me so much. 
This is why, as a Christian, I feel it's important for me to tell those people what I know so that they can have the enjoyment and experiences that I've had through God. The times that I've experienced God have been the best moments of my life so far and the most significant. Every time I've taken something away from it which has prepared me for the next stage of my life. My journey towards God was accelerated from a point where I started it, from, from a point where I was furthest away from him. I think this was in year eight, and it was Graham Pater who kick-started it. He had heard from God that it would be beneficial for me and Will to go on this holiday. So we both went, not really believing. Well, however, two days in, I felt really connected to God, which was amazing, as I'd never felt anything like that before. What really got me is how prayer really made a difference, and it wasn't just eyes closed, hands together and head down. So anyway, after this holiday, life carried on as normal. I couldn't deny God existed, but I didn't feel like I needed him and was getting on pretty well without him. But about six months later, after reading the book Shock of Your Life, I gave my life to God, with me kneeling down on my bed, eyes closed, which is mad, so I've never done anything like that before. So I carried on as a Christian, but didn't really have a connection to God. But then, I w something really changed after I went to New Year's house party, like Will. God really spoke to me through another young person called Jackson. It really connected with me, and, God's, and God, I fairly felt God's power. I was crying and shaking, and I could hardly explain it. Another thing I gained was a proper understanding of prayer. I understood that I needed, the, I needed to put in more effort into prayer, and the more I put into prayer, the more time I got out with God, and that really, was really beneficial. Another thing I witnessed, which I never had before, was God's healing, which was incredible. I listened to other people's testimonies at New Year's house party. I really realised I needed to put in a method to keep my faith strong, as it's hard when you're constantly surrounded by non-believers. So what have I done to keep my faith? Well, obviously, I tried to get to church when I can and really enjoyed James and Emily's approach towards leading your youth, and they're willing to admit that they don't get everything right, which is really encouraging. I also go to Graham and Rosemary Patey's on Wednesdays, along with others. This is really informative. Another thing that really helped is um, Christian Club, which is what Will talked about. So when Jackson prayed for me at a New Year's house party, God spoke through him and, and told me he had a plan for me. And at the time, I thought, well, you know, that's great, that's reassuring, but, but why is the plan? Um, Funnily enough, that question was answered a couple of days later when a friend I made at New Year's house party called Harris suggested us to, me and Will, plus could start another group, which we invited our friends to and expressed our views on Christianity, and they could talk about their views on it. And I'll be honest, I wasn't that optimistic. I didn't think we'd get very many. And to start with, we got two coming regularly. That was interesting and challenging. And that carried on for a while. Then a couple more people started to come. Then one week we had about 13 people come. And that was really good. Pre presented other challenges. <laughs> one week I was really frustrated and had no idea where to go. So I went into my room and prayed. And God led me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I'll read you a bit from it now. I tell you that that time is right now. The day of salvation is now. We don't want people to find anything wrong from our work, but we do nothing that will be a problem to others. 
but in every way we show that we are servants of God. We never give up, even when we face troubles, difficulties and problems of every kind. We are beaten and thrown into prison. People get upset with us and fight against us. We work hard and sometimes we get no sleep or food. We show that we are God's servants by our pure lives and by our understanding, by our patience and our kindness. We show it by the Holy Spirit, by genuine love, by speaking the truth and by depending on God's power. That really connected with me and um, I started crying and uh, went down to my mum straight away and was like, wow. Um, So that really gave me confidence and um, a new, you know, understanding and ready to carry on for, with the group. Then I was talking to the m- mom the other day about how my life had changed, and at the time I didn't think it had that much, but looking back I see what God has given me and why. God gave me confidence. Before Graham would tell me about um, groups that other people have started that he's seen, and I'd be like, wow, I can never do anything like that. But Looking back, I see that God definitely gave me the confidence to be able to do that. Another thing that really developed my relationship with God was um, prayer. And um, at an Alpha weekend, Ian Seymour came and prayed for me. And um, I developed the gift of tongues. And um, that really helped me um, with with praying and um, praying for other people. God also gave me wisdom, and I'm able, I'm able now to talk in front of people well and about um, God and stuff and read from the Bible. Um, yeah. Accepting the reality of God gave me assurance and security in my life, which wasn't something I was seeking when I became a Christian, but it's one of the best things that I have gained. I've accepted that Jesus died for me, and it was through God's love that I'm here and who I am. I can live my best life through him as he knows what is best for me. I'm eternally grateful and getting baptised is the least I can do to compare to what he's done for me. It is the next step for me and a public declaration of the stability and comfort I have through God. just struck me as both the boys were talking, there's a lot of interconnected threads there of the influences on their lives uh, from early days to more recently. And I thought it would be appropriate just to thank God for all of those influences and to pray God's blessing on the boys. So Father, thank you for those stories from Will and John. Thank you, Father, for the influence on each of them of a Christian home, of association with the life of the church here. Thank you, Father, for the influence of Graham and Rose Patey and the Urban Saints house parties that they've been on. Thank you, Father, for the influence they've been uh, on one another and the influence they've received from Christian friends. Father, I was really touched that uh, Will uh, mentioned John's influence on him and encouraging him to do things uh, in terms of exploration of Christianity. So thank you, Lord, for that kind of influence. Thank you for the influence now of James and Emily in the uh, spectrum on a Sunday morning and other activities. And thank you, Father, that uh, 
today we can celebrate uh, fruit that comes from one sowing and one watering. You've brought the increase, you've brought the fruit in these young lives now ready to be baptized. So bless John, bless Will as they prepare now to follow Jesus through the waters of baptism and declare their faith before this congregation. Bless them, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you both, boys. So now we're going to sing that well-known song, Amazing Grace, which speaks of the big change that took place in the life of John Newton, the author, who was on a slave trading ship. And uh, listen to the words with that uh, information in view. And while we're singing that song, uh, James and uh, Graham and Mark and uh, the boys here will get ready for baptism. And... Uh, if, if you need to be closer, any of the children need to be closer, you three girls are in a great position to see there. I'd suggest you don't come any closer than the front row to watch, but uh, this central aisle here is a great viewpoint. And uh, yeah, people get a great view from up the stairs. Don't jump about too much or you might land down with us, but uh, that would be really good as we sing, first of all, so we'll stand together. We will sit at the end of the song so that people have the best view of the baptisms. So let's stand now as we sing Amazing Grace. Please be seated. 
just one uh, further little explanation and instruction is each of the boys has chosen a, a worship song which means something to them. And uh, as soon as uh, Will hits the water, then the band are going to sound the music for Will's song. The words will go on the screen and we sing while Graham and James pray for Will. And then the same procedure when John is baptized. As soon as he hits the water, then the music starts and we sing.
Wow. Well, maybe you've seen or heard something today which has touched your heart. You might even say that God has spoken to you, maybe for the first time. Uh, if you feel that God has spoken to you, if you've heard something about the Christian gospel today, which has made sense to you, possibly for the very first time, then I, I just want to say to you, before you leave the building today, uh, w would you come and speak to one of us, and we'd be delighted to pray with you uh, and help you as a sort of midwife to help you be born again uh, as a Christian. We would love to do that. If you have any questions to ask, we'd be delighted to uh, try and deal with your questions uh, both the boys spoke about praying for one another, praying for other people. Uh, that might sound a little bit scurry. It might sound a little bit strange. It's actually not. And uh, if you'd like somebody to pray with you at the end of our service, then please feel free to come. I'll give that invitation again after Graham has spoken uh, a little bit uh, further on. But we're going to worship God with some uh, songs just now uh, while the guys all go and get themselves dried off. We, we don't need as many songs as uh, you do when it's women that's getting baptized. I've noticed that over the years. <laughs> Boys can get dressed quicker. Watch them prove me wrong with the gel and all of that. And that's just Graham. Let's worship God together. Thank you. Let's stand as we sing, Your Love is Amazing. God's love is amazing. We've just sung Amazing Grace. So God's love is amazing and it's unchanging. Let's sing.
Yeah. 
Please be seated. In our church, the Bible's very important to us, and all of our teaching comes from our understanding of the Bible, and Mandy's going to come and read a section of the Bible to us, which Graham will speak about straight afterwards. So, Mandy, come. Thank you. This reading's taken from a letter written by Paul to the church at Ephesus. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled round your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. 
In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly, as I should. Thanks, Mandy. Graham, come and join me here while I pray for you. Graham, first, uh, first changed. Um, if anyone wants to go in the back, the children, through to the back room, we can do something together. If um, uh, that's, yes, there's mum's nodding, <laughs> dad's nodding. Okay, if you follow me, we'll do something in the back room. Okay. Graham, you were first dressed, no gel, just polished. That was really good. But let me, let me pray for you. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you for Graham. Thank you for all the gifts you've poured into him. And uh, pray, Father, that you'll be with him now as he speaks to us, that you'll help him to share what comes from you, that you'll give us attentive ears, but more than that, attentive hearts, ready to respond to what you say to us through Graham just now. Be with the kids, too, as they've gone out and those who are looking after them. And uh, pray, Father, that this will continue to be a good time this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning. How are we doing, Andy? Are we on? Yeah? yeah? Ah, we are now. Well, um, this is exciting, isn't it? Okay, three of you find it exciting. That's, that's good, yeah. This is good. Uh, how, nice, how nice to do this in the bath of blessing. Yes, it's, it's fantastic to, to, to have that kind of thing. And I was thinking, because we, we want to talk about armor, about what to say to John and Will especially, uh, and who knows, uh, you can listen in too. Um, armor. I mean, what on earth do we need armor for? Why would we be talking about armor? Let's be honest. Everybody loves Christians, so you don't want armor. Um, the interesting thing about armor just to point out the parallels with Christianity is this. First of all, guys, just so you know, you're never going to find armor fashionable, okay? It was out of date by the 15th century. So trust me, if you wear armor, you're going to stand out and you're not going to look the same as anybody else. Armor is not fashionable. And it is undoubtedly true that spiritual armor is not fashionable. But why are we wearing armor? The Bible says this, that you wear armor to make a stand. We wear armor to make a stand. And what we've seen John and Will do here today is make a stand. They've said, okay, I want to follow Jesus I'm going to do it publicly. 
I'm going to do it so that everybody can see, so my family can see, so my friends can see. And if people want to do something about that, it's too late for me. So if you go to school on Monday, please go to school on Monday. If you go to school on Monday and people go, well, I heard this and that and the next, and start giving you grief, it's too late because you can't say, no, I didn't. You've made a stand. And that's what armor's for. It's to make a stand. It's to be able to go face on to everything. Now, this has never been trendy, by the way. Armor's never been trendy because this is what the ideal is. You're my friend. You say this. I'm over here. Hang on a second. You're my friend, and you say this. So I'm over here. But you say this, so I'm here. And I can just be completely flexible about whatever goes on. I can say, yes, I know, and I agree. I know you're saying the opposite, but I agree with that too. And I know that what you're doing is offensive to you and is offensive to you, but I agree with that, and with that, and with that, and with that, that everything's relative. That's not making a stand. That's just drifting back and forward. Now, on the face of it, it looks convenient. It looks helpful. It's even the way that appears most peaceful. But at the end of the day, you get nowhere. It's like those, do you remember those steel ball things that used to do that in a cradle? Who's, who's ever seen them? Yeah, what were they for? I have no idea what they were for. They were ugly and, uh, and I don't understand them. Anyway, that can be us, back and forward, back and forward. But that isn't what we're called to do. We're called to be Christians who make a stand. There comes a point for everybody where you need to make a decision. You need to make a decision. You can't move forward if you don't. If you get blown about, you're never getting anywhere. You just get tossed about back and forward. Armor is too heavy to get blown about, so you, you have to make a stand. But making a stand is a good thing. Armor's also for being at the front. Your arm is at the front. Soldiers that run away get stabbed in the back. This is one of the ways that archaeologists know whether or not an army was in retreat. Because as they dig up the bodies, all the wounds are in the back. Because people are running away. But a good soldier stands. That's what your call is now. You've made a stand, stick to your stand. You've made a stand, stick to your stand. Indecision is the killer of all armies. Make a stand. Make a decision. That's what armor's for. So we've been provided with that. Why have we been provided with armor? Okay, so is this a spiritual battle? Are we in a spiritual battle? Is there anything spiritual at all about life? Well, one of the things we know is that in the West, 
people's mental health is deteriorating. That although we have more than we've ever had before, know more than we've ever had before, have more opportunities than we've ever had before, have more instant things than we ever had before, and I'm not talking about coffee. But if it, right, I, can I tell you, I was at a concert last night. This is just how it is at the moment. I was at a concert last night. In the interval, they played an album. And I'm thinking, I really like this. So I went to the guy at the sound desk and said, what's that you're playing? They told me, I'm not telling you, they told me, I went on my phone, I went on eBay, I ordered it, it's coming tomorrow. I mean, we've never had this before. That's fantastic. So why are we all depressed? Well, we're in a spiritual battle, and we've all been lied to. We've all been deceived that if you have, you'll be good. And what we've discovered is that if you have, but you're not right, you're in as much trouble as you were before you had. It's a spiritual war. Be deceived get sick. Sick in the heart, sick in the mind, sick in the body, sick in society, sick in the world, sick in the environment. Are you trying to tell me this isn't a war? Can I just tell you something that happened three weeks ago? Three weeks ago, a human being went to the deepest point in the ocean that any human being has ever been before. Seven miles down, ladies and gentlemen. Seven miles under the water. Don't get claustrophobic. And they found all sorts of fish. Guess what they found? They found a carrier bag and some sweet wrappers. Seven miles down. Is this a sick planet? This is a sick planet. Don't tell me this is not a spiritual war. Whose attitude did that? Ours. We need healing. We need to change. We need to stop tossing back and forward and make a decision. Make a stand. This is God's creation. There is an enemy who wants God's creation destroyed. You are God's creation. There is an enemy that wants you destroyed. Turn your back and run, and he'll stab you in the back. Don't tell me this isn't a war. This is a war for you and a war for me. And if we follow Jesus, we enter that war. But here's the great thing. We finally enter the war on the offensive. Let's join a side. Let's join a winning side. Let's stop running around and being indefensible. And here's the difficulty for us, though. We're, we're quite weak. I don't know about you, but I'm a bit of a vulnerable chap. I, I know there's the big Scotsman on the outside. Trust me. Inside, blamange. <laughs> you don't have blamange now, do you? I've got to be trendy. Panna cotta. <laughs> That's better, yes. That's me on the inside, guys. 
And it's true. It's true. Those of you who know me, know me, know that. We are not strong in ourselves. Christians don't become Christians because they're good. We become Christians because we're rubbish. We don't come to church because we think that we're perfect. We're all here because we know we're not. We got it wrong. Man, you wouldn't believe how wrong we get it and still get it. So we need something that's not about us to put on and make a stand. And you guys, do you know, it really starts, doesn't it, now, because you're public now. There's your buddies. Look around you. Yeah, they're all going to be there tomorrow. (laughs) Watching. (laughs) Watching. Yeah, exactly. Used to just be your mom and dad, and let's face it, they're easy to fool. Now, she your buddies. Yeah, absolutely. You're on a stand. You've made a stand. We need something outside of ourselves, and praise God that Jesus died. Jesus died so that we could finally stop running and turn and stand. That's important. Stand up for your life. Stop being messed about. Stand up for your health. Stand up for your friends and your family and your community. Stand up for this planet. Start telling a bit of truth. Start following someone who actually loves you. Somebody who no matter what you do, however bad you are, however indecisive you are, to be honest, whatever your history, whatever you will love you irrespective of that, more than you can imagine. Turn, make a stand, be equipped. A belt of truth. This is not following politicians. This is not following spin Some of you may have heard a lot of things in the past about how the Christian faith is for the weak, for the spineless, that it's a prop, that it's one of many options, that we have to keep it all open. This is not the case. Look at the state of how we live and tell me how good it is to keep our options open. It's time to make a stand. We need truth, real truth, spiritual truth. We need our our minds protected by a helmet. We need our hearts protected so that we can finally make decisions that make sense and give us a plan. One of the things that lots of people think is this. I've got plenty time to think about those kind of things when I get this done, I get that done, and I get the next thing done. I I get that, and I understand that, but here's the thing. As long as you're doing that, you're not moving forward. You're just going round. And I don't mean to sound harsh or judgmental. I don't mean it like that. Being there myself. I remember remember working with somebody a while back, and uh, I said, so, do you like this job? And they said, no, but the money's good, which is a fair comment. So what's the money for, I said. Well, it's for a holiday. Okay. And the holiday's good? What do you do on a holiday? 
Nothing. And that's fun. Yes. And after the holiday? Well, I have to come back to work. Why do you come back to work? So I can afford another holiday in order to do... <sighs> Give me a moment here about that intensely meaningful life. What shocked me at the time was, I thought 20 years from now, this person I'm talking to will talk about their career. And they have been careering round and round and round. Listen, there comes a time, make a stand, make a decision, finally make something happen in your life and receive an armor that allows you to protect your mind from all this, that you can follow some truth, that you can make a stand. But there's one last thing that I just want to talk about briefly about today, and that's this, that we are not told to just make a stand. We are given a weapon. Do you know, when I was a kid, I was quite small. I mean, really small. I was, what was I when I left school? About five foot six. I was too small to play football for the school. I know. So this is what I did. I started playing hockey. Because in hockey, they give you a weapon. <laughs> Trust me, if you're little in urban Scotland, a weapon is a good thing. But I liked the idea that I had something in my hand. Something in my hand. And we have something. And John quoted, and Will said behind the scenes, excuse me, Will said, oh, I wish I'd quoted some scripture as well. I wish I'd. But we have a sword. And this is what the Bible tells us about the Bible itself. It says it's sharp enough to separate bone from sinew. This is a powerful thing. Do you know, there's never been more expenditure in the world continuing today to suppress this document than any other. WikiLeaks is small fry compared to trying to suppress the Bible. If you go on the internet, you'll never see so many websites where the Bible is misquoted and perverted. And the great thing about it is that people believe it. You wouldn't believe how many people come up to me and say, yes, well, the Bible says, and in fact, it doesn't. And you think, where'd you get that from? From Dr. Google, the great theologian and Bible scholar, who's also very good if there's anything medically wrong with you, by the way. <laughs> Don't consult a professional. Yeah, some nameless idiot on the internet will soon tell you what's wrong with you and what to do. Are we sick? Yes, I think we are, yeah. I used to go to doctors. I don't anymore. I go on the internet. I've got three months to live, but I'm, I've got great Wi-Fi. <laughs> wow, it's brilliant, isn't it? So we have a weapon, which means that we can take ground, and that's what we're seeing with John and Will today. Is John and Will both said, I didn't have... I didn't know. I didn't think it was for me. I was lost, said John Newton. And now 
I'm found. Now I saw. Now I realize. Now something cut through the lies and deception, and I am making a stand. Making a stand, people. Not this way and that way. Not it's all fine and it's all right and round and round and round. Making a stand. Ladies and gentlemen, can I just tell you today, make a stand. Make a stand, come to Jesus. Make a stand, put on the armor. Don't mess about any longer. Your life is worth more than stuff. Make a stand. Make it mean something. Come to a God who loves you and will not betray you when you are no longer economically viable, who will not betray you when you get past the age of usefulness, who will not betray you because somebody else is more popular, who will not betray you because you wear the wrong clothes or say the wrong thing, who will not go on to social media and badmouth you because suddenly they've become jealous of something. Somebody who will not overlook you and your gifts and talents in favor of somebody else who's doing the smarmy bit with the boss. This is a God who will not do those things. You can make a stand with Him because He will make a stand with you. Do it today. Do it today. I like the idea that next week and the week after and the week after, we are still putting people under this water and they are coming out and they are armored to follow Jesus. That's what I'm looking forward to. That's what I'm looking forward to. Maybe it's you. Maybe it's you. Maybe today is the day. Don't go away being pulled about. Make a stand, ladies and gentlemen. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, I just pray for every person here. I thank you that we've had the privilege to witness two young men make a stand for Jesus. Lord, whether we've followed you for a long time and we've drifted back and forward and we haven't really made a proper stand, help us to make a stand. If we've never met you, Jesus, just give us the courage today to make a stand. We might have heard about you a million times. Today might be the first time. But Lord, give us the strength to make a stand and to see our life change. Lord, we admit we're sick. Our world is sick. Our community is sick. Lord, some of that is our doing. We own it, but we want to be well. Help us to make a stand in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we sing a final song, I just want to give you the opportunity to make that stand right now. Uh, literally, if God has spoken to you today, if you feel there's something that's, uh, that's been said that's really come home to you and you're feeling, yeah, I, I really need to do something. I really need to make a stand for Jesus. Would you just stand to your feet right now? And uh, you'll be glad you did. And we'll pray for you. Thank you. Anybody else wanted to be brave enough to take a stand for Jesus and all it implies? Father, thank you for those who've responded to you today and say, yeah, I'm making a stand for Jesus. 
Pray, Father, that you will work in more hearts and lives, that you will answer uh, unanswered questions, and that, Father, uh, people's lives will be changed as a result of having encountered you today. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to stand together, we're going to sing, then there's tea and coffee through the back and the opportunity for you to be prayed with personally. Let's stand together now as we sing. We're going to sing our final song, These Are the Days of Elijah. These are the days of Elijah, declaring the words of the Lord. And these are the days of your servant Moses, righteousness being restored. And all these are days of great trial, of pardon and darkness and storm. Still we are a voice in the desert crying to tell you the way of the Lord. Behold, He comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun, at the trumpet call. Lift your voice, it's a year of like somebody to pray with you members of the prayer team would you put your blue badges on and come and stand here at the front in the next few moments if you'd like somebody to pray with you come forward and that facilities are available tea and coffee is also available through that door the pool's been covered over now it's safe to walk across the water and go through that door and uh, some words of blessing that we often use we can bless one another as we come to a close this morning and the words are on the screen so let's address this to one another not necessarily to the back of somebody's head but to one another may the grace of our lord jesus christ the love of god and the fellowship of the holy spirit be with us all evermore amen god bless you have a wonderful day